0: What is Pay It Forward? In each episode, we team up two women from the same sector but at very different stages in their career. They share their biggest issues, nuggets of advice, and leadership lessons. This is live mentoring, and you're listening in. Today, we're delighted to be joined by two remarkable women in law Emma Wolcott is a partner at Mishkondarea and one of the top reputation management lawyers in the country. Emma's podcast partner is Shabina Begum, an associate solicitor at Dawson Cornwell, specialising in domestic violence and forced marriage. She has been named as one of the most influential British Bangladeshis in the UK, and she's still just 33. Welcome to you both. (laughs) Thank Um, you. So tell me a little bit about how you got into law and some of your early influences, starting with you, Emma.
1: I think even as a child, I was very impacted by things that felt unjust. I'm a middle child and one of three. There was always two against one. There was always a bit of mediation and negotiation to have. And I I just, I'm a problem solver. I quite like a challenge. I quite like to argue, not be in an argument, to be around an argument. I quite like the academic side of an argument. And I'll pick a battle and I'll fight it to the end.
0: And was your career journey quite linear?
1: I suppose so. I studied law because I found it interesting. I'm not sure that I... Th- had my heart set on being a lawyer and certainly in the first couple of years i didn't see a long term career in law i trained at a magic circle firm got some quite good training but i nothing that i felt i didn't do anything that i felt really passionate about um but then i started to receive um uh, then I started becoming interested in media litigation and I was really struck by this kind of tension between how you're perceived and how you feel you are and how you can choose as human beings to present in, in a way that uh, uh, you're comfortable with in any different audience. And, I, and I, I liked this kind of academic friction between Article 8, Article 10, the right to um, have a private life and the right to um, freedom of expression. And so I kind of found my niche and that's why I went into reputation, which is all around defamation, privacy, harassment and people um being able to kind of protect the profiles that they have and the reputations they enjoy
0: Mm. I'm talking of perception and reality um, you struggled with your identity at work can you tell us a little bit about that
1: I don't think I struggle with my identity. I struggle with how ready the world was for it. Um, so I came out of university and was met with uh, love and joy and, um, and it was quite simple and quite straightforward. And when I arrived uh, in the city and then Canary Wharf in the early 2000s, was quite male and pale and stale and very straight. And someone said to me very early on, oh, you don't really want to be uh, too visible as a lesbian because you'll be known as the lesbian trainee. And it was kind of said in a way that was, it was meant to be kind, but it felt quite cautionary and, and, and inhibiting. Um, so I had this bizarre couple of years of kind of straddling the closet, coming in, coming in and out, and knowing that certain people knew that I was gay and then being worried about what they might say and uh, using and exhausting myself playing gender pronoun games on the weekend, talking about my partner and they said this and they said that. And it was a massive distraction and a complete waste of time because actually when I found, um, when I came out to people, they weren't that bothered or interested. And, and actually I started to realise that diversity is an asset it's your kind of superpower as soon as you start realizing that uh, the, the all the aspects of your of your character and your personality give you opportunities to connect with people they become assets they think things you can build business from communities from and connections from um i had been at mishcon for a matter of days and a really senior lawyer said oh what are you doing for your community and I, I couldn't quite believe that he was talking about... He was acknowledging that I was gay in the office, and I just... I was a bit taken aback. But he pushed me, and he said, well, most of my work has come from people I know from my community, and, you know, they'll catch me after outside Temple, and and you know the more you serve and the more generous you are the more you're drawn upon and 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 that generosity will will come back in spades and and at the time I was doing various bits of pro bono work for LGBT charities I was kind of involved but I I was doing it kind of round the edges and I never realized there was something that was legitimate to do in the workplace to talk about and also to kind of be part of building a practice and the more you hide yourself and you're kind of you hold back areas of your personality. The the kind of more, I think you can create a sense of distance with mm-hmm. colleagues too. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that they, I'm sure that I was perceived to be a bit reserved or aloof or um, separate, and I and I did that because I wasn't really sure how they would react. And and I think actually, as soon as you start realizing that, um, you, know, you bring your whole self to work, um, chill out about all the noise, and just get on with things, and people start kind of listening to what you're saying rather than. I'm pestering.
2: Shabina, how did you get into law? Oh, wow. Um, it's, it's interesting, actually, because I have a lot of parallels to what Emma has said um, on, on a lot of respects. Um, and I think, when, I mean, I started once again, young girl, I'm also a middle child. Mm. Um Yes, but one of six. <laughs> yes, yes, three boys. More three girls. negotiation. Yes, yes, far more negotiation. And I generally got my way um, for various reasons, because I was my dad's favourite, yes. Um, but also, I think when I was quite young, I. I th- I started to see actually how unfair certain things were for women. Um, just generally, I'd say, within my community, but also around. And I think I was also very lucky to have what I suppose people would call like almost a feminist father, who at that time, he was like one of the very few men in our community that didn't hit my mum and didn't approve it of other people beating their children or their wives. And it, it's such a foreign concept to think about now, but when I grew up, that was such a big reality around where I grew up and um and within the community so when i was quite young actually at the age of 13 i was just like this is it i'm going to be a lawyer (laughs) like this this is how i'm going to undo all of this justice that injustice that i can see around me and um And I kind of stuck it out. And actually, I I did do a conventional law degree thinking I do want to be a lawyer. Mm. And at that time, I specifically wanted to be a barrister. And one piece of advice I used to keep getting then, um, the the, the young girl in me who decided to wear a hijab and decided that this was all of me that was going to become a lawyer, is a lot of people said to me, you'll never become a lawyer with, with the hijab. So you need to pick one and wow. yeah and actually I had someone actively discourage me and say do you know what don't even do the bar exams because there's no hope for you um yeah so I kind of was just like okay well if there's no hope anyway then actually there's nothing to lose if I try um, so I gave it a go and, and, and I was called to the bar um, over 10 years ago and it was such a phenomenal moment because I was the first girl to a go to university in my family um but also now I'm the, still the only lawyer in my family and what stage are you
0: at now with your career Shabina and what are some of the big challenges you're facing?
2: So I'm. I, I did cross qualify as a solicitor, um, and I'm, I'm very, very lucky to be at Dawson Cornwall. Um, so we're an international family law firm, and I'm I'm an associate there, and I, I've been here for almost seven years now. And I think for me, um, the key thing with being at Dawson Cornwall, once again, it's what Emma was saying. I got here and I felt like I actually embraced every single part of me. And I love the fact that I could do domestic violence work, I could work with women and girls, I could work with vulnerable people and actually look at honour-based violence, which is such a big thing in various communities and communities that I've kind of grew up in. Um, so that's been a huge thing that's kind of pushed me. But in terms of challenges, funnily enough, that also then becomes the challenge. Um, and it's a double-edged challenge because suddenly then you are viewed as this person who is speaking up about certain issues and... I. Uh, I've been told that do you know what, you could be vilified within your own community if you're not careful. Um, my safety net has always been I've. Got a super supportive family um so they're just like no but, but you must speak for the truth and you must speak for what you believe in um but i think that can sometimes actually be overwhelming when you do get some backlash from your own community because I've, I've had that on on cases where respondents have been quite aggressive or have made very specific comments about the fact that i'm either a, an asian woman or a muslim woman and i shouldn't be doing this kind of work yeah. um and definitely earlier on in my career that used to affect me but now i kind of just wear it as a badge of honor i'm like i'm doing my job right then
1: if you're annoying them you're doing
2: that's well. it
0: that's it yeah Yes, yes, yes. Have you had any backlash from your cases, Emma?
1: Um, I've had backlashes in cases, yes. I've had um, instances where clients are being harassed and we've put the harasser on notice that we're going to court for an injunction and that has um, tipped them over the edge. Um, and they start, they respond with just the sort of evidence that you want before you go to a judge mm. to talk about someone's harassing conduct, particularly when they start focusing on the lawyer as well as the target. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but... <laughs> Clients tend to come to me in quite stressful situations um, when they've made enemies. Um, and so uh, my cases can tend to be quite intense and, and um, quite stressful. And I've had to learn over the years to not take that home with me, not take that on board, not that, take that personally. Um, How and, do you
0: do that? Any practical tips for Shabina?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important to realize, to identify what's their issue, not yours, um, and when clients are stressed and they're acting out, they often know they're doing it. It's very hard for them to admit it. But um, you, I think you just have to kind of allow that they are they are having a, a really challenging time, and that um, I think that they assume that lawyers can just weather it, and that you're used to it. And and I think to a extent, you kind of have to learn to. But the practical ways I deal with it are just you know making sure I take time out, making sure I just reminding myself to have a bit of perspective i think um 10 years ago i used to i used to wake up in the night worrying about clients issues the pickles they got themselves into um and it wasn't my role in it i didn't wake up thinking have i remembered that disclosure list and whatever it was i worried about trying to solve the problems that they would got themselves into it wasn't even that i was stuff that i could control it wasn't it wasn't that i was worrying i wasn't working hard enough i was wor- worried about how to How to how to stop them making the mistakes they were making, and actually, when I was explaining this to someone, and they just said that that's ridiculous, and you can't control that. It really helped me to kind of think. Well, let's focus on things that I can control, and the only thing you really can control is is your reaction. Um, So, I I'm now much better, not perfect. I'm still working on it. Much better at kind of taking time out, building time into my day, thinking time. I have. um, I try not to have back to back meetings. I try to have time for me. TFM. Oh, no, so between meeting, put TFM after a meeting, so you've got 15 minutes. Because mm-hmm. so, can't, I can't move from one intense situation straight into another case. You're, you're expected to be focusing 100% on the matter you're on and to have all the documents and have all the things. And, and I think you can do the practical prep of getting all the documents into that room, but you have to give your brain a bit of time to tidy up what you were just thinking about, make sure you've done the list or whatever, and then just calm before you move into something else. Mm-hmm. And if you're... You know, there's um, I'm not an expert in this, but there's loads of studies around that kind of the the endorphins that come off when you're in kind of fight or flight mode and when you're panicking, Mm -hmm. and it's you're breathing really shallow and you're not kind of you're not focusing, you're not thinking. I find that if I'm too busy. I'm so inefficient because I'm just it's it's all a bit kind of a fluster and actually the more you slow down the deeper you breathe the more spaces you build into your your diary into your into your day then the the more efficient you are the more powerful you are the more um command you can exhibit to clients and the more just, just you're just more impressive if you if you just slow things down I speak fast I think fast I am fast and I have to make myself like right chill okay next thing right put that down tfm 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 put it in
0: your diary shabina you mentioned the um level of stress and level of emotion that goes into some of your cases do you think that's brought personal sacrifices that's a,
2: a tricky question um if i'm very very honest um i would say yes because more so at the beginning of my career when you're learning to carry other people's emotions it's tough mm. and it it can burn you out it can make you lose perspective um but actually it can also make you very cautious about the people that you start to trust and and that's me being very honest in, within my personal life um and and then you have to kind of learn to rebuild boundaries but healthy boundaries even within your relationships because you're very mindful of what extreme case scenarios look like um and i mean we deal with cases at dawson corner which are like when i say on a base violence you're not talking just kind of physical violence it's the scale of a community on a person or sometimes i mean i've done research research on acid attack where acid's been used as Mm -hmm. as like a weapon to harm someone and it's about taking a step back, I suppose, and for me it has been, and reminding myself, okay, these are scenarios that I've experienced, but they've actually vicariously have impacted me, mm-hmm. and it took me years, years to kind of learn that and to distance myself from that and kind of start again. Um, so in, in that sense, without a doubt, it's, I think the biggest personal sacrifice for me has been almost like the emotional bandwidth that I've had to kind of spill into
0: that. Emma, have you had to make personal sacrifices in your career?
1: I think anyone who works hard and prioritises their career knows what it's like to sacrifice the other side. And I think there are peaks and troughs and there are particular periods um, in your career where they become where it, it, it becomes more acute. And I think particularly for women, I was listening to Sabina and remembering being about 34, 35, when I was so fixated on when I was going to have children, whether I was going to have children, but also... Um, and it, this often happens in law. It collides at the same time as you're looking for partnership, looking for promotion. And I remember this, there were a couple of years where I was gunning for promotion oh. and I thought I have to get this sorted before I can have a child and it's really important. And I'm sure at that time I was and I, I was so stressed and I was so um, exhausted all the time. And I'm sure I was an absolute nightmare at home. Um, and I, I think you... Um, a real wonderful thing that loads of wonderful things about came from having a child but one of the wonderful things that I um that I learned was that I could take some time out of work and I would come back and it'd be exactly the same and um but the you know no one could have had my child for me or I couldn't do it any and there there is a relatively short period of time in which you can have children um and and I and I, I um I think this, i think that there 's a tendency sometimes to think that you are indispensable at work and it has to be you, and that the sacrifice is necessary and I think sometimes it 's important to remind yourself that you have to prioritize yourself your family your own your your wider needs your wider desires um, and I was really lucky i managed to i have my, i had a son in two thousand and fifteen. Um, and actually, he helped really recal- recalibrate my priorities. He gave me a sense of perspective. Um, he made me realise that my, my, my um, I love my practice. I love my career. I love my job. I, 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 um, I get on the train excited about what challenges are going to happen. But I get on the train going home um and and that's when the real job starts, and it's um yeah. even more exhausting but um it, it's wonderful to, for, for, to to have both but the 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 questions of sacrifice and perspective for me were a real kind of um focus in that period before when I felt like I was running out of time and I felt like everything had to happen really really quickly and actually i wish i'd I'd understood more that there was there was plenty of time to be promoted or plenty of time to um I I, I wish that I'd just taken a bit of the pressure off myself because I did feel a little bit like there was just everything resting on a couple of years and it doesn't really need to be that way.
0: Do you feel like you're in a
2: rush, Shabina? Um, I think the one word answer to that would be yes. For me, I do feel like actually I'm at a a crucial point in my career where I do want to get to the next level. Um, But it's not just in my career, it's also in my personal life. And actually, yeah, I I do feel like there's probably a bit of a... um, I've given myself, anyway, a window where I'd like to have a partner and I'd like to have children, um, and I still want to have my career. And that's probably where I am right now. And the reality is I don't know how to balance those things, um, but I do only right now know
1: how to put my career first. (laughs) Well, it's something you're in control of. And, you know, you should be ambitious. You should work hard. Um, Love will find you.
2: thanks. (laughs) I mean I suppose one of the things for me as we are kind of reflecting on the, the trying to kind of move the personal life forward one of the biggest issues is dating um, and I think modern day dating is hard enough with like all the swiping and people not actually want to talk to anyone in real life anymore and so you're kind of having to make time to do these things alongside a court hearing and a statement and being very scared that an appeal might come through so those other things always take priority but I assure you
0: I think those things are actually easier than dating these days. I'm sure they are. <laughs> the dating minefield. Emma, give us some, tip, some tips on dating. Oh, I'm not
1: sure I'll ever give anyone tips on dating. <laughs> Although I do think, though, if you're looking for a partner, try and find your equal. Find someone that challenges you, that you respect. Some, someone that's ambitious. Someone that you're, you're ambitious. You want, you want to achieve great things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's I think...
2: space, is there space for two bosses in one household?
1: As long as you take turns. You and do have to be the cool. boss the whole time. Really? Be agile.
2: I
0: don't know about that.
1: <laughs> Learn to share. You're the middle child. How are you not able to deflect like this?
0: I wanted to talk to you both about your work style, because when you think of um, lawyers, you have to wear dark colours when you're in court to be credible and have gravitas. Um, how has your work style evolved? Shabina.
2: I think the key thing for me is actually something a friend of mine said after she came back from trekking. She did um, um Kilimanjaro, and just before she got to, like, base and whatever, everyone else looked dead in their photograph except her, and she has, like, a look-good, feel-good policy. And this <laughs> has just defined me. And, it's, and, and, and I'm a huge believer of this. I will turn up every single day, and it's the smaller things. Like, I will... Make sure that I'm dressed in a particular way. I always have some kind of colour, and I think the advantage of wearing a headscarf kind of helps. Yeah. Um, or even if it's my nails or just a bit of makeup, um, because it is that whole thing of I've turned up to work and I want to look like I've turned up to work. Um, and, I, and to some extent, I mean business. Mm. Um, so I, th- I, th- I think those kind of things have definitely been a huge thing. Um, so in terms of how it's evolved, my biggest change has been my hijab. But generally, like I like w- it. Yeah. Thank you. It's really thank good. you. Yeah. No. No. So I, th- I think that that for me, and it's just I suppose looking serious enough for clients as well because one of the issues i used to have when i was a bit younger is clients never thought i was the solicitor because i just looked young yeah i wear contacts um but sometimes when i have client meetings i do wear my
1: glasses just look a bit older <laughs> yeah that's me emma i think style is really important um when people come to a lawyer they're consulting a lawyer they're deferring to a lawyer they've come to find answers to problems and and solutions and and they and they need you to project. You need to give. You need to project confidence. And and they kind of. And you and I think you need to feel powerful yourself to be able to kind of um, uh, exhibit that command. And so, and a lot of my clients are very um, wealthy individuals, or they're very successful in business, um, and they look for signs of success. And so, um, depending on my day, I you know uh, there are there are certain days where I'm power dress all the way through mm-hmm. if i know i've got lots of internal meetings it might be slightly more comfy mm-hmm. but I, I do think that particularly um uh when junior junior associates who come in looking like they're in the back office and ne- uh, they'll never get taken to a meeting i think one of the things that young lawyers need to appreciate is come in dressed like you want to go to a meeting and you'll get taken to a meeting mm-hmm. um now they're dressed like the boss yeah i'd love
0: to know what you're both doing to pay it forward and support other women emma
1: um one of the most challenging periods of my life actually was coming back after maternity leave uh, when I felt like lots had changed um in the office at home and and I felt like I was different and um I felt like I was failing at all the jobs that I was meant to be doing um and so I spend quite a bit of time with parents who've um who are returning to work we've got a a buddy system um but there's kind of an informal mentoring as well around that so um younger women and some men that uh have taken time out um and are coming back into the workplace so i spend time with them just kind of talking about um recalibrating who they are and and and, and demonstrating their focus but also being able to prioritize home as well
2: mm-hmm. Um, can, can I just take a step back yeah. to the last question? Because one thing I just want to say about Emma is when we were talking about like dress sense, what I think is fabulous is obviously you've turned up today in like green with like this green eyeshadow, which I think is just fabulous. Cool, thank you. But the other thing that you clearly just wear is confidence, and that's Aww. so inspiring. Yeah. No, I just I just need to mention that. Um, but as wear p- your confidence. Yeah. Yes. 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 So. So I will. Okay. I will take a leaf out of you <laughs>
1: It's all <so>.
0: fake. <laughs> That because emma you were telling us that you still suffer from imposter syndrome tell us about oh god who
1: doesn't and i think the more you talk about it the better so Mm -hmm. on the way out here um the last thing my pa said to me was good luck because all week i've been saying oh my god have you read Sabina's um uh uh, profile she's fantastic she's so young she's so accomplished and 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 my pa was saying well she'll have googled you she'll think the same of you and i was like oh don't be silly um, and we had a good five minutes when we met, saying, "Oh no, you're fabulous! No, you're fabulous! No, I'm intimidated by you." She's fabulous. <laughs> uh, so I think I think most people suffer from a bit of imposter syndrome, um, and I think women uh, women admit to it more, but men do it too. We had a session just recently with some really impressive women. One who'd been a senior partner at a massive law firm and who'd taken risks um, and felt like she was overexposed and was terrified, and a woman who'd started her own business. Um, and they both, you, from the outside, looked like they were completely poised and completely in control. And they talked about what was going on inside their heads, and it was so—it was such relief to the whole the the, the 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 audience because we were all thinking, "But you're so accomplished, and you must never feel like this anymore." And it was so lovely to see that. And I think it's really important for us to be honest about when we're feeling insecure and and when actually projecting confidence um is, is 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 something that is tiring. I um I go into meetings often when I'm the youngest person in the room, the most female person in the room, um and 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 I'm leading the meeting and I'm trying to um exhibit gravitas and 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 control and I just have to straighten myself up and give myself a bit more space and use my hands and um and and it's all fake and you go out and you're exhausted and you think God they bought that wow <laughs> um, it's a performance yeah in terms of what I do.
2: to it forward um so I'm a huge believer I suppose of mentorship um and I I feel like I'm very very lucky um and in fact blessed I take it to that level to say I I, I work um for Amory Hutchinson who is one of my mentors but I knew when I was employed by her that it wasn't just a job. It was working for my hero. And Anne-Marie has really, like she gives that to all of us in the team. um, And that's something that I do pay forward. So I am part of a mentorship scheme. Um, I'm a Grinch alumni uh, from Grinch University. And so I I mentor students every year and I end up getting matched with young women, um, which is great. And actually I've been matched um, a couple of years now with a a few specifically um, young Muslim women, um, which for me is actually very special because I remember growing up, up, I struggled to find a mentor um, and I struggled to kind of find the right kind of mentor um, but once I did like I just haven't let them go um, mm-hmm. and and I think that's a key thing for me so p- paying it forward in that sense and, and that's why I do one of the other things that I actually do is um, I do kind of go back to my university and I've done it with other universities is career planning um, which I just think is great for um, young students who are coming into the law and actually they're just trying to figure out the next few years um, and as someone who been through that journey I like to share that with them um and and it's it's phenomenal because I always walk
1: out inspired by them yeah yeah because as you're saying that like, they're so talented these days we were talking about this earlier on about the different generations teaching each other about um plans and the fact that I learned recently that most people going into law don't really want to be partners and that that's quite kind of confusing for someone who went into law 15 years ago and that was the end goal um and my challenge one of my challenges now is to think how do i keep motivating people in my team and in, um that, that that they don't have the same ambition um and so we were when we were talking you were explaining that actually what gets what motivates you in the um short term and the medium term isn't 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 that sort of same yeah, because no, I, 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 th-
2: I think for me, funny enough, my biggest motivation is the cause. If you can look 10 steps ahead of a case and you, you can pick up common themes in a job, you're actually making a real difference. Um, and that's 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 the ma- main thing that keeps me going, I think, mm-hmm. even in the job now. Because I look at these young women and girls and some of the cases that I deal with now, and I know that I don't want to leave the law up until I've made actually a pivotal change. Um, and actually, I've made it better for other women and girls.
0: What would be your most
1: powerful piece of advice to other women? Emma? I think it's really important to learn to look after yourself and to take time out. Um, Put your own oxygen mask on before you try and help others. I think women are often inclined to think about everybody else before themselves, and that can be exhausting and actually counterproductive. The more we learn to actually uh, rest and recharge, the more able we are to um, achieve all that we have to. Shabina? Um,
2: I think for me the biggest thing will be is... It Through your journey Especially now because I think There are so many different people From different backgrounds Trying to get into the law And that, that gate seems to be the hardest yeah. Is if anyone tries to put you off your dream Dare to do it and then keep dreaming bigger um, And that's that's been invaluable for me um, And the other thing is Once you've passed the gate Always remember the thing that made your heart smile And if ever you do feel deflated Or you do feel worn out Go do that thing that makes your heart smile I go dancing every week because it makes my heart smile. (laughs) So I highly encourage that (laughs) behaviour.
0: So make your heart smile, dare to dream bigger, book TFM in your diary, and remember that diversity is your superpower. Thank you so much, Emma and Shabina. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Pay It Forward, brought to you from Madeira at Treehouse London. If you loved it, make sure you subscribe and please rate and review us to spread the word and pay it forward. For any links and key takeaways, check out our session notes.